Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hello, hello, hello. And Pete, we got Barry Rice in the house. So blessed. Hello. Bob, did you drink a a, a bang? What in the world? What is a bang? <laughs> It's a energy drink. No, I did not. It's just, you know what happens? The lights come on and I get so excited <laughs> that I get to be on the Riot Podcast. Dude, you're juiced. That's awesome. Lights, camera, action. Bob light, lights it's up. It's the tricorder. You, you scared me, Got man. I mean, here. it's like, what in the heck? You have never scared me, but you did today. Wow. You jumped out that's, of his That's shoes. a power. That's a power right there. That brother filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking of power... <laughs> I like that voice. You gotta, like that? You gotta get that going. <laughs> I don't think I can do that for the whole show. <laughs> wow, those people watching us on YouTube are going, what? Uh, Speaking of which, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe <laughs> and click that bell so every Thursday you get notified when the newest podcast gets released. Yeah. And if you're not watching us on YouTube, what's wrong with you? No, seriously. Or if, if you're a podcast, some people just do podcasts. Oh, they just do podcasts? Yeah. I do okay. too. I, honestly, I you know, I listen to them driving in the car, and it's really tough to do YouTube while you're driving in the and car. And who wants to look and not at very us anyway? safe. Right? Yeah, that's true. I have been told I have a face for radio. <laughs> yeah, you do have a good voice for radio. For radio. <laughs> I was told I have a face only a mother could love. That's my oh, mom told me that too. man. Guys, did I know you guys saw it, but I'm going to brag on my little girl a little oh, bit. Boy. Samantha's 10 years old, and uh, she got an opportunity similar to this over the summer. And going she, on But 18. I missed it. Wow, right. So she going on what? 18. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, thanks. I didn't need that reminder. Anyway, well, there you go. I lost my energy. No, I'm kidding. My little girl. <laughs> she oh, they had this. This bowling tournament here in Orlando, and they, it's the the kickoff event, and they I like they, this ball. They do the national and bowling. We're talking about the real sport this week because you know football can't play all the year. They're weak and they have to you know rest back up. We're bowling. We can go twenty four. You know all around the there. Anyway, what was I trying to say? Oh, oh Samantha sang. sang the national anthem and did an amazing. She's job. so cool. So they call yeah. her name and she does like this little wave and she's got the whole thing. She grabs the mic, backs up to the following and just boom no music no nothing just goes wait My bowling girl. has a foul line yeah there's a foul line it's not just baseball yeah yes and she pete man I, she just she blows me away i was so i was so impressed i know both of you guys saw it but uh i was very blessed she, she did, did an amazing job. job yeah she sure did thank you barry i, I want to tell you what thousands are going to stand before her as she worships jesus mm, i see it and you know every every uh, sunday i get to see her worship and and uh just her heart for god is just amazing and it challenges me it's so cool yeah but don't forget that you post this 293 or what was it 291 what what did you post will you stop no dude i watched this guy post this score like 300 is a yeah, perfect but you're game showing your ignorance by saying 291 290 i don't you know, know. The, hard, the hardest game in bowling to shoot is what? 291 291 what did you feel i don't know maybe i don't know what did you shoot 290 because oh. the only way you can get to 291 is you have to have the first 11 strikes and then get one pin in the He just said I was ignorant. I am ignorant. All right, so he shot a 290, and I looked at his frames from 2 to 10, and there were strikes all the way across. Yeah. Who does that? Well, I've done – I've both for a while. It's, 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 it was unbelievable. Hey, but, hey uh, Pete, you know what I thought huh? when he came in with this shirt? Show him your shirt. Oh, you there. like my shirt? By his stripes. I, I, I thought it said by his strikes. <laughs> but it's by his stripes there and it go. has like a 70s kind of vibe uh, yeah the neon baby what's yes, up uh, isaiah 53 5 right yeah all right that's right now you know I mean, if you're gonna wear the shirt you better know the verse that right? is good because people might ask you <laughs> so if you want to know what the shirt means look up isaiah 53 5 there you go all right well let's the big subject that's happening i guess the elephant in the room is the russia ukraine invasion yeah. um that's a big deal and you know as christians um, you know, we need to be praying, not just for the Ukrainian people, but also for the Russian. And there's a lot of innocent Russians. I mean, especially, I mean, the military, they don't know what's going on. They're following their lead. So we need to pray for them. Pray that God's wisdom would intervene there. Yep. Uh, pray that God's wisdom would intervene with the Ukraines. But let me ask a question. Yeah, do it. To, to you guys, but not, not just to you guys, really to our listeners. Be honest with yourself. Could you pick out the Ukraine on a map? I could. Yeah? Yeah. All right. 
But I deal in travel and oh, that's true. I've you looked, do own a travel agency. I look I look at that stuff all the time. <laughs> I got a friend that that uh, runs a ministry to the Ukraine. So uh, about five years ago, I, I realized where it was at. I think that's the. I mean, talking about friends and that's how I'm getting all my information. So I'm getting information from Ukrainians that are on the ground. And we follow and um, we know people personally that are there. And then also we're following certain pastors. It's really funny is the, um, there's pastors that, that we follow that are on Ukraine and then they're connected with pastors that are in Russia. And so they're corresponding back to each other and they're praying, you know, like, hey, this is what's happening. And so they're understanding it. So, I mean, it's hard, you know, and a lot of the, I think the Russian the military is saying, these are our brothers, right? Yeah. These are our, yeah. these are our brothers and sisters and so forth. And here we are coming in and it just, it doesn't make any sense. And so from the way I understand it, they didn't understand. They thought they were just coming in willfully and that everybody's going to be okay. They didn't know there's going to be resistance. That's the way I understood it. The Russian, the Russian soldiers. soldiers oh, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it hurts, but let's just say right, what, what it is. Oppression of anybody. So if you're oppressing anybody, that's evil. That is not of God. If people are innocent and you are asserting your authority over them because of your ideology or your way of thinking, that is not of God. And so we can testify that what Russia is doing from that perspective, what Putin has decided to do, is not godly. You so, know, I the way way uh, I see it, uh, and by the way, I really like the, the picture of the uh, Miss Universe Ukraine or whatever. Yeah, you see he's that? fighting. Yeah, yeah I, I really like oh, that. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I thought that was really a classy picture. But, uh, you know, if if another country has something you want, you can just go in and take it. I, I think that's what this is all about. And that, that really hurts my heart. You know, it's a bully mentality. And uh, you can't just treat people that way. Um, you know, if someone comes into my house and wants what I got and they're going to hurt my, my family, they're, they're, they're going to get the bull, the horns, the horns of the bull. Yeah. And, uh, man, they're going to have to kill you. Yeah. I understand defending your country. I understand defending your home, but, uh, you know, I, I just, it's wrong for another country to go into a country and, and just take whatever they want. So we just, we as Christians, though, again, if you're hearing us, like, pray, pray that God's divine wisdom would, would intervene both sides. Pray for our government that we would have wisdom and how to di- approach and how to direct it. Pray for the European governments to have wisdom. And, and prayer does work. And so, I mean, don't just be a bystander with this and shout your opinions or what you feel and so forth. I mean, to approach this the way that God would want us to approach it. And we can call out what is evil. We'll call out what is wrong. We need to. I mean, if you're a Christian and you're not calling it out, then, you know, then that's not, you know, of God. I mean, this is evil, period. But we also need to pray. I mean, understand that, you know, Putin has a mindset. He has an understanding. He has an ideology that he's coming from. And we just need to pray that God would intervene. I mean, think of what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, right? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had an ideology, had a way, I'm conquering the world, this is my thought, whatever. And God stepped in and says, no, you're not God, I'm God. And and I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. And then then we see in Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel that he's sitting there. That's meditata. That's towards the end. But then, but he he says he you know he came to said no God Yahweh is the Most High God. Amen. So that can happen here with Putin. That can happen with anybody. So pray that pray that into what's going on. Anyway, thoughts. No I, other thoughts. It's just important. So we're sharing with you kind of where we're coming from. So people are like, what do you guys think about this? Because I've been asked already. Yeah. And so we're sharing where we're coming from. And then we're also, you know, approaching this the way that we feel that God would want us to approach it. You know, so. Yeah. If my people who are called by my name Amen. will pray. Let's do that. my face. Yeah. Let's gonna, do that. Open us up. Yeah. And then we'll, and then we'll and jump we'll into going. the show. Yeah. I'll give you the show title so you kind of get a concept of where we're going. We're going to jump into John 3, continued in our journey through the book of John uh, and we're gonna we're gonna learn about a man named Nicodemus yeah. and uh, and a lot other a lot more other things as well cool. that was really poor English okay yeah <laughs> it wasn't the ESV version <laughs> right, let's pray <laughs> father we love you and we thank you for uh, just the opportunity to, to speak and to read your word and to, to learn more about you Lord we ask that you would protect our brothers and sisters that are in uh, the Ukraine father that are in that are in Russia Um 
and, and around the world, Father. We just yes, uh, wherever there's oppression, Father. We just we pray that justice would prevail, that your your will would ultimately win out, Father. So uh, we 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 hand it over to you. We don't understand everything that's going on, Lord, but we know you do, and we know that you are in control, Father. So we just ask uh, for blessing on our brothers and sisters, and uh, we ask for blessing on the show today for the people that are listening. That uh, and you would just touch them today, that uh, that they would grow closer to you because of uh, uh, this discussion on the book of John. So we love you, Father, and uh, look forward to what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our, uh, I gave you the text already. John 3, 1 through 18. John Get your Bibles. 3. There you go. Open yeah. up. Unless yeah. you're driving, please then don't, no. don't do that. Do it yeah. later. Not only was Benjamin Franklin a great statesman and inventor, but he was also a great correspondent and received letters from famous people from all over the world. And one day, he received what would, what could well have been the most important letter to ever come across his desk. It was from a very well-known British preacher named George Whitfield. And it said, I find that you grow more and more famous in the learned world. As you have made such progress in investigating the mysteries of electricity, I now humbly urge you to give diligent heed the mystery of the new birth. It is the most important and interesting. It is a most important and interesting study, and when mastered, will richly repay you for your pains. George Whitfield did not want Benjamin Franklin to do all the work and lose his soul. He understood uh, that, like all of us, Benjamin Franklin needed to be born again with a new birth. We will discuss this key topic today in our reading of John three one through one through eighteen, and it will. <laughs> And we, we will see Jesus as role of a as the role of a teacher, uh, as he teaches a Pharisee named Nicodemus about understanding the things of the Spirit. In chapter two, we talk about Jesus doing what miracles, uh, many miracles at the Passover, right at the end of chapter two, and we believe that this was when Nicodemus most likely became interested in Jesus and in his ministry. We will also read today the most famous Bible verse ever, John three sixteen. We will put it in con- we will put context to this verse and Lord willing we'll do justice by it. I like that last part, do justice by it. Because I mean anytime we approach scripture, you know, we need to I, I I've always come humbly because I don't want to ever say anything improper. And so it's, it's the same thing. John three is one of the most famous chapters in the all of Christendom. People know John three sixteen. We see it in every football game and uh, in sporting events or whatever. But um, so yeah, so it's one of those. It's a verse that you have memorized, even though you never tried to memorize it. Right? You just heard it so much. It Non-Christians alike. Non-Christians know, know it. That's yeah. right. So I mean, I guess today, it's, let's just talk about a little bit of. Let's just break down. So we're going to be talking about Nicodemus before we get into our reading. Uh, he was a Pharisee. So what was a Pharisee? Anybody know? You want me to explain, or you want to go ahead and talk to him? Pete, I, I want to hear what you have to say, brother. <laughs> so, so there's so let's just understand this. So, in the Bible, we have uh, three parts. So, there was a Pharisee, there was a Sanhedrin, and there was the Essenes. Okay, so the Essenes were non-political. They weren't. They were more like priests, and they they were more behind the scenes. The Pharisees, when you see it in the Bible, were more um, always involved with the people. So, the Pharisees were constantly hanging out with the people. They knew the people. They had conversations. Where the the Sadducees, they were. Um, more the elites. They sat at the best tables. They hung out with the pilot. They hung out with the officials, the electoral. Um, they were more the rich, you know, and they set, they set apart from the people. So that's kind of how. But they were all, um, if you want to put it this way, they were all like priests or rabbis. They all were uh, teachers of the word of God. They were all, from their interpretation, they each had their own interpretation of theology. So they had a different way. So it would kind of be like, you know, our different churches that we would have. So we would have our Methodist or Lutheran or, you know, different different ways of understanding the word. So that's kind of uh, the Pharisees. They were, Nicodemus had to have, because he was a Pharisee, so he was the one of the people but they were very strict in their religious law. They believed in obeying the law. They believed in doing exactly what Moses, the Mosaic law was given. They wanted to fulfill that. They wanted to be obedient. They memorized most of the first, you know, the Torah, the five books of the Bible. They memorized a lot of scripture. Um, and so to say that they were knowledgeable would be an understatement. Yeah. So they were the, they were the top. I mean, there's pastors that I know personally that memorize a lot, most of this church. And I just blows my mind. I was like, how the heck do you get all that in your head? 
Um, but these these guys would be that. They just knew the scripture. Um, but they live by a religious law. They live by a, a creed that they've built up. You know, and so this all starts. So again, so how, where did when did the Pharisees and the Sadducees come? They came in the sec after the second temple was built. So remember when Babylon, the uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm talking about Nebuchadnezzar, he he destroyed the first temple, Solomon's temple, and then Nehemiah came to start the second temple, and that's that changed everything in in theology for Jews. Jews' theology changed before it was the Levites. Then now we have the Pharisees. We have that took you know the Sanhedrin. I mean the Sadducees kind of take care of more the the temple than the Pharisees. The Pharisees are more out out and about preachers, where the 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 Sadducees were more of the temple preachers where they were at the temple and they took care of the affairs of the temple they took on more of the levite roles um so but that all changed after the so whenever you hear me say second th temple theology i'm coming from that perspective i'm not coming from how the jews were reading or seeing things before babylon there was a whole different way of understanding than where they came from so when jesus came to earth he came from second temple theology he was approaching what they believe and what they thought from that perspective, he understood it. So the language that he uses is to help them understand what they already believe. And so for us to better understand some things, we need to understand exactly where they were coming from and how why he was approaching them a certain way. So a lot of times you'll hear me say that, and that's the reason for it. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees came later. They weren't a part of the beginning. They came later. And then the Pharisees and Sadducees, guess what? After the temple went away in the 70 uh, uh, AD, they, they just disappeared. I mean, the Sadducees completely disappeared. The Pharisees became more or less the, the rabbis. They became the priests, and that's kind of what happened. But interesting, right? Any yeah. other thoughts? So what was the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee other than just one worked with the people and the other worked more? Their theology. Okay, and what, what was different? There's quite a few. So, I mean, the main ones that I would say was based off of free will and non-free will. Um, and the scenes, the scenes believed in complete free will. Um, this, the Pharisees believed in free will, uh, but there had to be some sort of faith or action behind it. And then, uh, the Sadducees, I forget, there was some sort of different, I forget exactly what the Sadducees, if you're listening and you know, please tell us. And then the next thing that I know is that, you know, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. So this was a big dispute when you read in book of Acts and you believe in what Paul believed and not believed because he was a Pharisee. They believed in the resurrection of, he believed in resurrection, but the Sadducees did not believe in that. And the way that I always remember that is sad, you see. So it's sad that they didn't believe in the resurrection. Where the Pharisees, they were, that's why I believe Nicodemus that we're going to be studying today can kind of relate a little bit of what Jesus was talking about in three days, I'm going to rise. And so when at the very end in John 19, we're going to see that Nicodemus, believed, Jesus uh, was dead, but Nicodemus was a part of that whole end time, end thing that was happening. So that's a little bit of that. I mean, there's a lot more. I mean, they so they the, really did have a major difference in thought. So the Sadducees weren't just a group of d depressed people sitting by water. No, they were rich. <laughs> okay. Sad, yeah. They had the money. They had they were they were the upper class. I yeah. got it, Barry. Yeah. I got okay, it. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I, I have a friend that wrote a book that's really good and it's and it's uh, he's from Minnesota. He, he wrote a book entitled Firstectomy. And that's getting the religion out of you so that you can have a relationship with God. That's that's pretty cool. That's it. So Nicodemus though, so let's set this up. So Nicodemus as we're going to read this so Nicodemus is, uh, he believes in the miracles, okay? So he's like, okay, there's something more to this. I need to know more from this guy, right? So he wants to set up a meeting with him. Um, you know, so we're going to talk about this a little bit. So Nicodemus, I believe as we read this, I believe he's coming from the right light, the right heart. He really does want to have answers. And we know that based off of his uh, questions that he asked Jesus as we read through it. So let's just read one through seven and then we'll get into it. All right, let's jump into it. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born again, where did that accent come from? He cannot know, see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and of spirit, he cannot enter the, the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, 
and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, must that I've said you must be born again. So, um, what I mean, not all Pharisees hated Jesus. So let's just establish that right out of the gate. Not all Pharisees hated Jesus. He really did. I mean, there was probably a lot more that are not written, you know, that we know of. Um, we know that we believe that Nicodemus was sincere. He's really wanting to know. And we also know by this, it, he talks about we and, and ye and, and the pronouns that he uses, the plural pronouns, meaning that as as Barry, we, in our discussion before, he's in charge of people. So we know that Nicodemus had to be a, like a higher ranking Pharisee. So he's he's somebody that's in charge. He's a leader. Yeah, so he's a leader. So that's what we can get to this. And then what we're going to see through our reading is Jesus used four different illustrations here. <clears throat> and in the first one through seven, we're going to talk about, uh, he used the illustration of birth. So let's go ahead and and do with that, Bob, if you want to read statement yeah. one, and then we'll get going. Jesus began with what was familiar, being uh, birth being a universal experience, we can all relate to it. In verse three, the word again also means from above. Though all human beings have experienced natural birth on earth, if they expect to go to heaven, they must experience a supernatural spiritual birth from above. Up from above. Mm. Hey, when you know that I had six kids, or let me make it right, <laughs> my wife had six kids, and and I uh, I was the one that delivered the last two. My number five is Cammy, and and she was born on Father's Day, two thousand twelve. And uh, what a blessing she is. She's, she's, she's incredible. I love her. She turns 10 this year and she's Sammy's uh, really good friend. And, yep. and then Jackson, he's, he turned five this past week. Six. He turned six this past <laughs> week. Yes, he was five. He turned six. Thank you for correcting me there, Bob. Okay. So, you know, what's the first thing that happens when a woman gives birth? The water breaks. Mm. So it's obvious that the first uh, birth is a water. When the woman bra- uh, uh, water breaks, the baby comes out, and so, you know, that's the first birth, and and it's a natural birth. It's a it's a birth of this world. Everybody it has the first birth, and and that's why he says you must be born again. Yeah, and he's talking about the water, and that's kind of what you're getting at. So it's like a new birth. In, um, you know, I always ask the question: Is you know, here's here's Nicodemus and he's asking these questions and Nicodemus is probably looking at Jesus like, what in the world are you talking about? And, and Jesus is looking at Nicodemus and saying, dude, you know, like all the old Testament and you've memorized it and you're like clueless to what I'm saying. And, and he was trying to explain to Nicodemus at that moment is you have to look at God. You have to approach God spiritually versus in the physical. You can't, you can't pro- approach him uh, in, in looking at what I'm saying logically, you have to see this from a spiritual standpoint. Everything about me is spiritual. I'm coming from a divine perspective. And, and if you're going to approach life, you know, if you're not a believer, then obviously you have no way of understanding the things of spiritual. The only way that we can understand, as the Bible says, is that we have to have the Holy Spirit to help us interpret the things of God inside of us. So we have to surrender to believe that. But Nicodemus, this religious leader, you know, this guy that knows everything, is not understanding what Jesus is saying. He's so caught up in his religious ways, his religious ideology, his religious standards, his works that he's doing to to make himself holy before God, that he's losing the, the simple truths of what Jesus is coming to do. And so as we explore this a little bit more, we're going to see, you know, Jesus is looking at him like, I, I bet you Jesus is rolling his eyes at him. Dude, I appreciate that you, your heart is tender enough to come talk to me, but but you're you're clueless, dude. I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking, he's basically saying, I'm talking very basic understanding of how you come to know me. This is, I'm going to the, I'm going to the, you know, as Pastor Rodney would say, I'm, I'm putting cookies on the lower, lower bottom drawer. You know, I'm, I'm making this as easy as you possibly can get. Right. And so, and that's kind of what's, what's going on here. And, and then talking about the birth, I mean, obviously he's trying to help him understand, listen, do you, you understand birth, right? And he's like, yeah, I, I get, I get birth. Well, it's the same thing with your spiritual birth. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's a new beginning. Once you believe in God and once you surrender to him, your life has changed. You now are no longer living for yourself. You're now living for God. So he's trying to say, this is really easy for you. So that's kind of the first part. All right. 
Any other thoughts or you want to go to statement two? Hey, you know, your parents never forget your birth. I'll never forget the days that my children were born. It was an event. Yeah. And, you know, I speak to a lot of people uh, out in the community. At I eat a lot, so I go to restaurants a lot and and go. You fellowship a lot. Yeah, Yeah. whatever you want to call it. (laughs) And, you know, I ask a lot of people, uh, so how long you been a Christian? I, I, I was born a Christian. Yeah. I, I've been a Christian all my life. I hear that so yeah, much, yeah. but it's not true. That That's it impossible. You cannot be, uh, and they're talking about the water birth, right? They're talking about, well, I was born to America. I was born to uh, a family that was Christian. So I've been a Christian all my life. Well, I really think these two births really relate back to the first chapter of John. Yeah. In John 1, 12, and I'm going to tell you, if, if I were given my testimony right now, I'd be using John 1, 12, because that was my testimony. Uh, John 1, 12 says, to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave right to become children of God. That is two births. Believing in Jesus is not enough. Yeah. And you can you can be born believing in Jesus because that's the the theology and the philosophy of your family, but it's not enough. All my life I believed in Jesus, and I believed that He died for my sin, but there was something missing. What was it that was missing? It's a second birth. It's a second birth. It's I was born by flesh, the water birth, but it says you must be born by the Spirit. You don't get the Spirit of God by believing. Jesus or believing in him. I don't have the spirit of George Washington, but I believe in him. (laughs) You know, you can have the, you can believe in someone and they not affect your life. But September 16th, it was an event, 1988. It was an event in time when I surrendered. I rose the white flag and I surrendered and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. I invited him to come into my life And you know what came in my life? Jesus definitely saved me. He definitely came in my life. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came and took. How do I know that? How do you know that, Barry Rice, that I was changed? And I started having a desire. I was justified at the moment, but then the process of sanctification started. I wanted to be more like God. I wanted to know God. I had a different motivation. I was, I was from that point on, started to be compelled by God's love. And that's the second birth in me. So I, that was really good, Barry. I think, again, the, when you look at this, again, Nicodemus is a religious person. He's a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows a lot about religion. He knows a lot about God and who God is, but he does not know God. He does not have that intimate relationship with God. And so by him asking these questions or by him wanting to know more is a good sign. That means that he he's he's wanting to have a relationship with God. He's wanting to possibly understand more things. And, and I'm saying this to our listeners. You know, there's some people might have, like you said, Barry, that have been saying that they've been Christians their whole life, but they don't care about the things of God. They don't want to know more. Or, or you might be listening and, and you think you're a Christian in your life, but you kind of do care about the things of God. And that's where Nicodemus is. So maybe you've been raised in a Christian home. Maybe you've been raised that way. And, and you're asking some more questions or you're listening to this podcast and, and that's a big step. And so that's, that's kind of what's going on here. So Bob, my mind's going in a different direction. You know, it's just hit me is like how, you know, it, it, it's kind of hard. You're like, how does Nicodemus not get this? He's like the, he's a Jew of Jews, right? He's like yeah. the leader of uh, the Pharisees. And I think what John does in this, and we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks, but None of us get it at first. Yeah. None of us can see it. And, yeah. I, and I love the example of what John does here. He goes to, a, in the stories, he puts them in the order. So he talks about Nicodemus, who's a, you know, a Jew's Jew. I mean, he's like, if you could earn your way to heaven, Nicodemus would have been able to do it. Right. But even he couldn't do it. Right. And then what's the next story? What's, what's John 4 about? It's about a Samaritan woman. Yeah. It's like the opposite end of the spectrum. A Samaritan woman who's had multiple spouses and all that i just love that john uses that diversity and covers like the entire spectrum of us Mm. right i call it the the preacher and the prostitute Mm. 
That's good. So good. And yeah. neither one of them get it until they get it, yeah. right? It's just, I don't know. That's a weird way to put it, but that's awesome. what was striking. That, that's what was in my mind when you guys were talking. So. All right, let's go to statement two. That was you really good. It. Really good, um, Bob. Being a patient teacher, Jesus picked up on Nicodemus's words and further explained the new birth. To be, to be born of water is to be born physically, entering the, the second time into your mother's womb. But Basically. To, yeah, yeah, so that's a picture nobody wants. Yeah. But to be born again <laughs> means to be born of the Spirit. Just as there are two parents for physical birth, there are also two parents for spiritual birth. The Spirit of God, as we see here in John 3, 5, and the Word of God that we see in James 1, 18. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God when the sinner believes, imparts, when the sinner believes, imparts the life of God. Yeah, I think that's really good. I, I, Jesus, what Jesus is saying, I don't. he's not teaching that we are to be born because of our water baptism. Water baptism is not, you know, when he talks about water, it's not, you don't, there's some preachers out there that teach that you have to be baptized by their, their congregation in order to be saved. Or they, they do, they teach that you, if you're not baptized and you're not saved, well, look at the thief at the cross, right? He wasn't baptized. So obviously. Well, go the other end. Jesus was baptized. He didn't need to be baptized. Right. He's, right. He's already God. Right. So let's just put this in context. So that's Jesus. It's not talking about. When he's saying be, you know, the, talking about the water, he's not talking about water baptism. It's, it, you know, baptism more or less is connected to death. So remember in Romans 5 where he talks about you're buried with Christ and rising your walk in the newness of life. He's talking about that is, is that we are associating ourselves with his death, burial, and resurrection. And that by us being baptized, we are taking on our new identity in, in following Christ and we're being held accountable. So <clears throat> no amount of physical water can affect the spiritual change in a person. Um, but so let's just kind of talk about that a little bit. So what is the difference between, um, the new birth versus, you know, the, you know, what is going on here? So I guess that's, or did I say that wrong? So let's just talk about the new birth. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Thoughts? When you are born of this world, you come into the world, that's the water baptism. But when you are born of God, that's the baptism of the spirit. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that once you're in Christ, you're a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And I was, I was talking to a dear friend of mine yesterday, and he says, you know, if you take a group of people and you ask them what the gospel is, and you let them talk, they're going to either talk about justification or they're going to talk about glorification. Yeah. And justification is is what Jesus did on the cross yeah. and that he was buried and he rose again. And he said, glorification is when we're in heaven. We, yeah. we get to go to heaven and we get to spend all eternity. He says, but there's also another part of the gospel that we miss, and that's the sanctification. Hmm. That there is a dead, different motivation for our life. We're no longer trying to live to please ourselves, but because the Spirit of God has come in, He is the activator of our 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 spiritual person, and now we have a new desire to live for God. Hmm. Before it's live for self, now there is a desire to live for God. But I gotta work that out, like Philippians two says. I gotta work it out with fear and trembling and and understanding through the process of sanctification it's it's like what happens in the cocoon it's 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 like the transformation of renewing my mind romans 12 1 and 2 talks about and god takes that and it's a demonstration of someone who has received the gospel and i want to live differently hmm. and, and i no longer have an insatiable uncontrollable appetite for the world before I did. So it's, it's so, you know, when, if people are reading this and you're trying to explain to him as Nicodemus, he's confused and he's like, what in the world are you talking about? So again, it's like, you know, you're telling yourself is the day that you believed in Jesus and you believe that his way is the very best way for your life is the day that you decided to take on the new birth. It's the day that you just, as you, Barry, gave, you know, you gave your date. You knew exactly that day. And it's in that day, what you're, what, what God is telling us here, what Jesus is saying is you're starting new. 
So all of your past sins, all of everything that happened in your past is now gone. It's, it's now forgiven. All of your sins in the future are all done. You're, you're now new. You're now a new creation, as you said, in Christ. You're now, your, your birth is new. And so that day that you surrender to God is the day that the Spirit of God entered into you. And then and as Paul says, he says, I no longer live, but Christ that lives within me. That's that day. That's the new birth. That's when it happened. And so if you're, you, we all can testify to that. So if you've given your life to the Lord, you know that. So other people that are like Nicodemus, they might be religious, they might be all this, but they can't comprehend that. So this is it in a nutshell. So this is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. This is basic, Nicodemus. Come on. I'm not trying to pull a wool over your eyes here. This is easy. But Nicodemus is just like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, he's still wrestling with this. And there's a lot of people that we talk to sometimes that just can't under, understand born again. They can't understand that term. And so this is the basic truth of what's going on. All right, let's go to the statement three and we'll move on. Another, t- another thing to observe here is human birth involves pain, and so does the birth from above. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus suffered until death on the cross so that we might become members of his family. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, that is a hard one to take, but that's what you were just talking about, Barry, on sanctification. And so once we give, once we start that new birth, what's happening is now we're, we're relearning how to live our life. We're relearning how to live it according to God's will versus how we used to live it, you know? And so during that process, it's a transformation. You could speak more to this bear, but it's, it's, it, it hurts. I mean, let's just be honest. There's moments and times in your life where you want to do things a certain way because you've done it in the past and you understand that. But God says, no, that is not the very best way. And and I want you to learn to do it this way, which is the very best way, which will complete you and fulfill you the most. But it's going to hurt a little bit. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be times that things are going to be adjusted, you know. And so there's probably people right now that say, yeah, I can relate. I'm going through a trial right now. I'm going through a sanctification process now. And, and I'm just going to be, I'm just going to say it as it is. It sucks. Okay. It sucks. It's not fun. And I'm with you. I understand it. But at the back end of that, there's a transformation. There's, as you said earlier, Barry, there's a butterfly that comes from it. And uh, why don't you talk to that? You know, Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I beseech you, brethren, according to the mercies of God, because of the gospel, because of all that Jesus has accomplished, to offer yourself a living sacrifice. Now, anything that's got to do with a sacrifice got pain involved with it mm. right i mean if you if you're sacrificing anything it it costs you something it's pain it's 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 not easy and and uh, i i would say it's harder to live for christ than it is to die for him i would say that and uh, you know uh, what does that mean to be a living sacrifice it means that i make a conscious decision i'm not going to do just what I want to do or what is popular in the world. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I'm going to sacrifice my agenda. I'm going to sacrifice uh, what I would prefer to do versus what would honor him and what would glorify him and what would bring him the most glory. And what does he expect me to do? And, and uh, that means I must love you as I love myself. It means I must love God with everything that I have. It means I must care about other people. And so all that runs into what what is an evidence of the, the second birth is that there is a pursuit to please God versus pleasing yourself. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. That's it. That's good. And, you know, my decision was when I made that decision to to listen to God's ways and understanding that it was best, my testimony testifies that once I did that and I and I and I was allowed the sanctification to happen, um, my life became more complete. I have more purpose. I can see things more clear. I smell things better. Um, my my life has order. It's not out of control. I have peace. So the testimony that I have personally is it's worth it. It's worth it. So, so when Jesus is talking about the birth, he's also referencing pain. And with a new birth, there's going to be, as you're learning, as you start as a baby Christian and go on milk, and we could talk about that, and then eventually you grow to meat, 
where there's going to be a process to be able to get you to that meet. There's going to be, there's some scrapes. There's going to be some times we fall. There's going to be times that things happen during that process. Um, we just don't want to give up. You know, Paul said, you know, many times Christians start and they start as a baby and they get to about five years old and they're like, yeah, I don't want to do this process of sanctification anymore. So they stopped. They stopped allowing God to have his way. They stopped being obedient. They, they, they live to what they've learned at that time. But God is encouraging us, continue on, become a toddler, become a teenager, become a grown-up, you know, and st- continue to press into him, continue to let his spirit to grow. And that is what is I, my testimony will tell you. I'm telling you without a shadow of a doubt, my life has changed. I am a different person than I once was. I have allowed that birth, that pain to take place. And now I look back on it and I would not change it for the world. And so if you're listening, let God be God in your life. Let that sanctification process happen, become uh, mature. Yeah. So, so here's some good news. At the point of justification, you get help, right? You are, like Barry said, you are a new creation. Yep. And and you have the Holy Spirit to help you through the through the sanctification. I think what breaks my heart is I know there are millions and millions of people that are trying to go through sanctification in order to earn justification. Amen. So justification is once we receive Christ, is just as if you never sinned. So Christ forgives you once and for all. That's the justification. And then sanctification is the process. It's the journey of learning the things of God. It's it's the stretching. It's the circumstances that we go through. That's sanctification. So anybody that's listening, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I would just add this, that justification is also... You know, when when you pay off a credit card or you pay off a bill, it's called paid in full. That's what happens to your sin in justification. It's paid in full. And now now, uh, we enter into sanctification. That's living uh, a, a... offering of what God has done. And we call that worship, right? Yeah. So we, we enter into the phase of worship. How I live my life is a pleasing aroma to God. Amen. Yeah. And so back to your point, Bob, is people don't understand that they're free from their sin once and for all. And so they're still doing works. They're still doing things to, to make them feel like they, that they're pleasing to God. So they're still trying to do that. And that, they're still, like you said, trying to get back to the justification. Well, that, that's one point. It's once and for all. My other point was, I think people, too many, I hear people like, I'll come back to, or I'll come to church once I get my life in order. Oh, yeah. Like, I know or they, they're trying to just be religious, like Nicodemus, right? Yeah. I've heard that from my own kids. <laughs> Uh, they listen to the show. All right. All right. Number four, a child, <laughs> speaking of kids, a child inherits the nature of the parents. So where do they get it from, Pete? <laughs> and so does the child of God. We, bec- we become partakers of the divine nature. Our nature determines appetite, which explains why the Christians have an appetite for things of God. First Peter um, 2, 2, and 3 says, like, new for- like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you you may now grow up into your salvation, if indeed you have but tasted that the Lord is good. That last part of that verse says it all. Like, yep. if you have tasted that if the indeed, Lord is good. Yeah. And, and, and again, if once you, once you finally surrender, you become more like Jesus. You become transformed into his image. You become, and you start living and thinking and acting and doing. You care about the things that God cares about. You think that way. And so... You, at first, you can only handle a little bit. You can't handle meat. You can't handle the the harder things, the harder truths that God gives. At first, you have to. God gives you a little bit. So as you as you surrender to God and you believe, as we just talked about, and then slowly, your your theology expands, your understanding of God expands, your your track record with God becomes longer and longer. Your testimony becomes more secure. And, and things start changing, and then you have this uh, boldness about you. You have this authority, you know, about you that you you talk in a in a way that's like assured. You know what I'm talking about, Jesus. I know that I know that I know what I'm saying is true. There's nothing that you can say to to tell me otherwise because I've experienced him. I've lived him. I've loved him. He's loved me. I've experienced that goodness that that I can't comprehend. And that's my testimony. And there's billions of Christians that will say the same thing. You know, my wife and I, uh, we raise labs and, and we have a, a litter right now of French bulldogs. And how do you know if one of the puppies are healthy? 
they they are craving and crying for uh, milk, right? They're craving and crying for milk and, and they want it and they go after it. And, you know, we have a lot of people uh, pray to receive Christ in the church. And, and I've heard Billy Graham say this, that, uh, you know, 80% of the people who come forward in uh, one of their crusades may not be saved. And how do you know? How do you know you're saved? How do you know that that the people in your ministry are really saved or did they just uh, you know pray a prayer? Well, I'm going to tell you, I I look at are they craving something? Yeah. If you got to beg people to go to church, if you got to beg people to go to Bible study, if you got to beg people to do the things of God, there's no appetite there. No. They want to know more about Christ. So it's come and, and hear and come and see and, and come and be a part of what we're doing so that you can be nourished and grow. If you got to beg them to read the word, I mean, come on, that's, that is the nutrients right there. So Yeah, I think that's what's going on with Nicodemus. So he's like hungry. So he's asking these questions and that's what's kind of happened. All right, let's just move on to the uh, next part. All right, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but do you not know where it comes from or where it goes? So it is So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Mm. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, mm. the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Yeah, let's just breathe through these next statements, but really focus in on that serpent serpent uh, talk. But the word wind in both Hebrew and Greek can also be translated spirit. So one of the symbols of the spirit of God is the Bible is the wind of wind or breath of God. Have you ever experienced kind of a wind? So you've been in God's presence and all of a sudden some wind or something where you get goosebumps or something happens. I mean, that's kind of, I think, what's talking about here. Any thoughts to that real quick? You know, uh, we want to see it to believe it. Yeah. but not with the things of God. It's not always seen. That's why there's faith. Uh, you see life changes someone else. That's evidence. You see the miracles that Jesus did. That's evidence. And, and you have by faith, you're not, you, you're not going to, uh, see, uh, a water, uh, river split. Probably you may, but you probably won't. But you have got to receive Jesus Christ by faith, and then the Spirit of God comes into you. And I, I think that's what this is talking about. I yeah. think it's, you know, uh, we are a generation that we want to see it to believe it, but I'm telling you, that's not the way to approach the things of God. Yeah, so I think God and Jesus, again, what he's trying to tell Nicodemus is he says, everyone who is born of the Spirit is like the wind. You cannot fully explain or predict either the wind or the child of God. Like the, the human birth, it's a mystery. Any new birth is exciting and it's different. And so it's the same thing, I think, with us. So once, once we give our life to the Lord, we're going to take on our own identity in Christ. God's going to give us our purpose, our focus, our things. And, and it's, it's exciting. It's new. And so that's kind of what he's talking about, I guess, in general, in that as context. Um, Jesus said, I have used earthly illustrations and you kind of understand. So here it is. Again, Jesus is talking down to Nicodemus. He's, I'm in sta uh, statement eight, if you're following. So it, he's talking down to him again. He's like, dude, I can't comprehend this, man. I'm talking in the most basic terms. And you, this religious leader, you cannot understand this. And so it just cracks me up. But if I begin to share the deep spiritual truths with you, you will still not believe. So I... And again, I, I think that, uh, you know, Jesus is basically saying, listen, I know your heart. Remember the end of John chapter two, and, and I'm telling you these truths and I'm giving you these basic things to understand how you can come to get to heaven, basically, and how you can come to, to, into my throne room and to worship me. And you're still not getting it. And he goes, I just know your heart. You, until we finally surrender, until we finally say, as you said, I love what you said, wave the white flag. You know, in my book, uh, Conquer Through Surrender, one of our, our book covers was waving a white flag, you know, and that's kind of how our first logo was kind of waving the right flag. Right. And, and so it really is. It's like until we finally say, I surrender, we're not going to be able to understand the things of God. And that's what he's saying to Nicodemus. I know your heart. I, I like that you're searching. I, I give you that. 
I'm spending time with you because I can get you're seeking, but you gotta surrender. You gotta you gotta take on the new birth. You gotta take on the the things. You know that is so hard for the person who is scientifically driven. Yeah. You know they. I want to see the equation. I want to see yeah. how how this works. But that's that's just something in trusting and faith that you have got to make that decision. All right, let's get on to the last statement. All right, statement. Wait, we did, did we talk about the serpent? No, let's do that. Okay. In, in fact, that that's exactly what I was going to read. Okay, the story that Jesus uses here is in Numbers. So we're talking about the serpent. Okay. Uh, it uses here is Numbers 21, 4 through 9. And we are sure Nicodemus knew this passage well. It is a story of sin. For, for the nation rebelled against God and they had to be punished. God sent fiery serpents that bit the people so that many died yikes it was also a story of grace for moses interceded for the people and god provided a remedy this is beautiful he told moses to make a brass well about beautiful but foretelling right he told moses to make a brass serpent and lift it up on a pole for all to see any stricken person who looked at the serpent would immediately be healed lastly it was also a story of faith when the people looked by faith they were saved and you know, have the, you seen a picture? You've seen. I know you yeah, have, but yeah, people, you should Google it. Look, yeah. Google it, or we can maybe share a picture of it on our Facebook page. But uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Obviously, the big picture is that it's a symbolism. It's it's a you know what do they call that a, of Jesus to come? It's foreshadowing. foreshadowing of it, and so that's what's taking place. Um, that when we look to Jesus, you know, we're we're our sins, we're going to hell for all eternity, our bodies decay, and everything's happening because of sin. But we are healed by his stripes, we were healed, um, and that we were restored and we have salvation if we look to Christ, if we keep our eyes on that. Um, you know, the the medical community took this and they use it in today. So if you ever look at the their logo where it has two snakes and a pole and angels wings, they're saying that this is this is healing. You know, that's what happened. They're going back. They're referencing to this time. So it's, a, it's something to help people understand that, Bear. Yeah, man. That's just the only way to deal with the poison of sin is to uh, look to the snake that's lifted up. And, and you know, uh, the only way to deal with the poison of sin is to look at Jesus. And, uh, man, that's what a beautiful picture. Yeah, we could do a whole just session just on this topic and really break down numbers um, and trying to get into what's going on in the Israelites to give it context. But the bottom line is it's awesome that Jesus is referring back to it. That's what's really cool. What's awesome is he's telling Nicodemus that knows everything about the Old Testament. Hey, that what I had, what happened there is talking about me. I'm the one that's going to bring salvation to your sin. I'm the one that's going to do it. And here is Jesus now. I mean, he's like taking the cookies and he's even bringing it to the floor now. It's off the shelf. You think this is maybe where Nicodemus starts to get it? I think so. I mean, he has to. It's like, it's like he's like, he's dumbing, he's dumbifying this for a religious leader. He's like, dude, you got to know what I'm saying here. Because John kind of moves on after this. Yeah, he does. It makes me think that this is where Nicodemus gets it. Yeah. And so, I mean, with that, then we went into John three sixteen, and, and Barry, why don't you go ahead and just talk to that? Um, I mean, we, you know, this goes back to I, Jesus. I want them to hear your story first, though. What about, uh, about uh, Spurgeon? Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and read You've got to share that, man. That is so good. <laughs> it's just, it's, it is really cool. So on, on January 6, 1850, a snowstorm, this is a story about Charles Spurgeon, a snowstorm, say it slower. Um, crippled in the city of Colchester, England, and a teenage boy was unable to get to the church he usually attended. So he made his way to a small Methodist church where an ill-prepared layman was teaching for the away pastor. His text was Isaiah forty-five twenty-two: Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For many months, this younger teenager had been miserable and under deep conviction. But through, but though he had been raised up in the church, both his father and grandfather were preachers, he did not have the assurance of salvation. The unrepented substitute minister, unprepared substitute minister did not have much to say, so he kept repeating the text. A man does not need to go to college to learn to look at Jesus, he shouted. Anyone can look at a anyone can look. A child can look. About that time he saw the visitor sitting to the one side and he pointed at him and he said to him, Young man, you look very miserable. 
young man, look to Jesus. And the young man did look by faith. And that was how the great Charles Spurgeon was converted. <laughs> Amen. And so this verse is kind of, you know, puts it context. You know, you want to be saved from your sins. You want to be saved and, and you know, have salvation and be restored. Look to Jesus. Barry, tell people how to look to Jesus. Amen. So out of the context of Nicodemus, out of the context of you must be born again, John writes the most famous verse in the Bible. And that verse is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, I want to I break that down in this way, that this is the greatest verse ever penned by man. And first of all, it says, For God, he was the greatest giver so love the greatest emotion the world the greatest need only begotten son the greatest gift in the lord jesus christ that whosoever believes that is the greatest offer shall not perish the greatest result the um the greatest consequence the greatest result and shall have eternal life that is the greatest gift mm. and i just want to know today maybe you listening to this and maybe you realize that you believed in jesus all your life or that you are religious but you have never been born again if you have not been born again i not according to my words not according to peter bob's word but you will not see the kingdom of god you will not enter into the new kingdom you will not go to heaven there it says in, in James 2:19, even the demons believe and shudder. So what is the difference? We and you have the capacity today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you know what happens? You will be born again. You will become something new. You will receive the Holy Spirit. Your name will have a permanent reservation in heaven. You'll be written in God's book. To never be erased again because it's written in the blood of Jesus. My friend, please, I beg you today, be born again. Receive the Lord. Receive the greatest gift from the greatest giver in Jesus Christ. The greatest uh, offering of love. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrated his own love in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do we do that? You must surrender and you must receive and invite Christ to come into your life. Would you do that, my friend, by praying this prayer right here, right now? Don't put it off. Do this now. Dear God, I know that you created me. And I know that the word of God tells me I'm separated from you because of my sin. And I want to admit it and I want to say I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And God, your word tells me I must believe, and I do. I believe in the Lord Jesus. I believe that he died. I believe that he uh, was buried. I believe that he rose from the grave. And I believe that he, when he died, he didn't die because of his sin, but it was my sin that he took upon himself. And the wages of sin is death. So Jesus died in my place. And I believe that he's alive, that he resurrected from the grave because he is victorious and he defeated death. He defeated sin and he defeated the grave and Satan. God, I, I surrender. I must do this because I admit there is no other way. And so Jesus, I invite you into my life right now to sit on the throne of my life, to be my Lord, my Savior, my Master. Lead me through the rest of my life. My life is no longer mine. It's yours, God. And I surrender. And I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, if you gave your life to the Lord, we would love to hear from you. Go on to our website at riotpodcast.co, C-O, and uh, just go to Know God and click on that button down there and fill out that information and we will get in contact with you and get you connected the way uh, and get you started in your walk with the Lord. Bob? 
I think it's fitting we had John 3 and we had all three of us here today. So <laughs> that's awesome. Now, this was very, very well good timed. So, guys, as, as always, I'm going to encourage you to share the show, whether you're listening to a podcast whether you're or, or watching it on YouTube. Share it with your friends. There's, you know somebody that needs to hear this, mm. that needs to hear this message mm. and, and uh, learn about what it means to be born again. So don't be shy. Be bold and, and share. Um, you can find us at uh, The Riot Podcast Facebook, Twitter, uh, all those other... St- I, I don't even know the names of all these things. Instagram, what, what's Look going on Look up the Riot here? Podcast, you'll find us. <laughs> just Look just at do three, a search. Th- us three dudes. You guys yeah. have an amazing week of worship. We love you. We thank you. And uh, man, if you need anything, reach out to us. You can, you can always message us at our website. You can message us at Facebook or comment on YouTube. Yeah. Any last words, guys? Hey, I would say this. You were equipped today by listening to Amen. this. Amen. And if you listen to this podcast three times, three times, just three times, that's three trips to work, three, three, uh, three trips to the beach, you are equipped to ask anyone and everyone, mm. are you born again? Yeah. Amen. And I just challenge you to ask everybody you come in contact with, are you born again? Mm. Peace out. Love you guys. Have a great week. Riot Podcast. This has been the Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.